Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, we talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health freedom. And so I'm always scouring the globe looking for entrepreneurs, thought leaders, influencers, changing the world. So today we have um, Jake Rosenberg, and he's um, known as the men's 30-second skin guru, and he's an entrepreneur. So he'll tell you his very inspiring story. We're going to talk about product development, supply chain, digital marketing, and um, his um, uh, skincare business. So Jake, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I know we connected through Podmatch, and um, you know it's been great. Uh, you have a really interesting story. Tell the audience and listeners about it, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so I started a men's skincare company because um, in 2017, I had a ski accident. I used to be, you know, competitive skier here and there, like the NASCAR stuff. Nothing too crazy, but, you know, I've been skiing since I was three. Never had an accident or an issue. So one day I'm going pretty fast, hit some ice, ski comes up, hits me in the face, gives me a little scar on the nose. And so that forced me to dive into skincare and understanding scar reduction treatments, concealer, things like that, stuff that guys don't really know a lot about. So I went to Sephora to try to find these products that were recommended to me. And, you know, it turns out they had 10,000 products or something crazy in every store. So there was no way I was actually going to find what worked for me. So a lot of research figured out that, you know, there were the, the five to 10 products that really work for guys, but not sold, you know, on feminine packaging and in a place like Sephora, if the education was just better and the packaging was better, um, I thought it could be a successful business. I knew I needed it. And so I launched Crete in 2019 and now we're here. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm reading your bio. It's quite interesting, you know, graduated from Ivy League, you know, Penn and then econ math major. And, yeah. um, which is interesting because one of my, um, friends from high school or not not really friend but acquaintance uh she also got into the skincare product and i think she sold it a couple of years ago you know for 500 million or something like that and uh, well, that's uh, great that's where we're trying to head to so <laughs> you know there's all these conglomerates like shiseido procter and gamble unilever uh-huh. and they just don't innovate like they used to i mean they sure they have you know accelerators and innovation labs but oftentimes happens is a new brand will come up and really find product market fit with either new products, a new educational angle, a new demographic, uh-huh. and then they'll be acquired. So, you know, that that is eventually, you know, an option for us. My joke is that if we can sell concealer to guys at scale, like someone's going to want to buy us because that's a pretty hard thing to do. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're doing it. And it's one one small correction, math minor. Oh, math minor. <laughs> I, know. I just, I don't know, as, as an engineer type i just i like i don't know i have to be accurate yeah personnel yeah um yeah it's quite interesting and then uh so tell us um 
uh you know a lot i've been traveling speaking at some um uh, conferences and actually this this skincare type startup and these businesses actually are very scalable and um so yeah. tell us uh tell us what sets creed apart from other skincare lines well one of the first things is is that I came into this industry knowing it was probably going to be kind of a legacy industry. I've dealt with the fashion industry and other other companies and done some e-commerce things. So I didn't realize how stuck in the 1980s or 90s that it was from a manufacturing and supply chain standpoint. You know, formulators take nine to 12 months to make formulas, even if you give them 95% of the blueprints. It's like, you know, it's kind of mixing a couple things. Yeah, maybe there's heating phases or whatever. So I got very frustrated with those timelines and the cost when I was first starting. So I actually learned chemistry. I taught myself uh, formulating just via Google and YouTube. <laughs> and I uh, actually formulated our first two products myself fully. Made hundreds of variations. Took a month or two, not nine to 18 months. It was all I was doing. So, you know, that worked out. Now we sold 10,000 plus units of it. And so it's it's pretty great. But um that was one of the that was one of the interesting things that I decided to do was make better products, but also make sure that we knew every single ingredient. Uh, my philosophy was, you know, anyone can write a compelling ad copy and get you to buy it. The only way you're going to buy it again and again and again is if it's actually good. So, you know, that was one of the first differentiators is that I actually know every ingredient because I formulated it. Um, and that makes our products actually, you know, superior to everybody else's. I'm not just saying it is because I bought it from a contract manufacturer and they had really nice claims and a nice pitch. Like I literally made this the best hyaluronic acid serum on earth. Yeah. Other other things we do, there's a value equation when you speak to customers. Yeah. And it has to be, you know, the aspirational outcome of looking good, looking younger, you know, but everybody can say that. The time and effort it takes to get there, that's where we kind of differentiate. Our tagline is 30 second skincare because I want guys to know that you're not going to be stuck in the bathroom for an hour. You're not going to use 10 products in a row. It's like, get this, put it on your face. It takes 30 seconds and you're good. Yes. So those are the two main things is the quality of our products, um, which I can actually speak to because I, you know, formulated them. And then um, the fact that we just make sure everything is easy. Our website's easy to navigate. Ordering it is easy. The products are easy to use. There's no accessories. So it's kind of a guy's dream if they want to look good without all the kind of BS of the beauty industry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what What's interesting is I'm always interested in new uh, industries. Uh, one question is, you know, why is men's, men's skincare so taboo? I didn't really realize that. And um, how is it, it different than women's? There's a thing about it where it's like there's two kind of categories. There's skincare and there's cosmetics. We're not really doing cosmetics. You know, in Japan and Korea right now with K-beauty and J-beauty, as they call it, you know, guys are wearing like lipstick and eyeliner and just all this great stuff. That was never my intention. My intention is concealer is a functional tool where if you have a scar, you have dark circles, you have acne, you can just you can kind of cover it pretty quickly. And then the, you know, skincare, it's like 20 years ago, body wash was seen as, you know, for women only. And now every guy uses it. It's the lazy, easiest thing to do. It's easier than a bar of soap. So it's finding out the specific next products that guys should be using, but they either have never heard of like hyaluronic acid serums. Some have, most have not. Or they were just packaged too femininely forever. For instance, you know, I use NARS's concealer to cover my nose. NARS is, you know, a very, very popular female brand. Her tones or skin tones are dessert flavors, you know? 
So yes. like my my nose tone was uh, and my skin tone was either custard or creme brulee. And it's like, you know, I just don't really want to be going into a store and asking for the creme brulee concealer and not like I might be OK with that. Most guys are not. So, you know, there's just an uncomfortableness about it. There's also the lack of education. No one wants to walk into a store like a Sephora that's incredibly intimidating and, and frankly feel like an idiot. Like I don't. I run a skincare company and I don't know half the products they sell in there. Like no idea what they do, no idea if they work. So what hope does a regular guy have? So there's the intimidation factor as well. What's really interesting is um, when you talk about product development, do you have to um, overcome any uh, sort of regulatory hurdles or are you just using, how are you packaging it and sourcing so, it? Out? You know, we, we now use contract manufacturers because they just have, you know, Honestly, they have scalable machinery, but so there's a couple of, of regulatory categories with the FDA. Um, ours is in the lowest category, which is called a cosmetic. So that mostly affects how you can make claims, you know, anything to do with acne or SPF that starts to become what's called OTC or over the counter that's higher regulated. So, you know, that has what's called an active ingredient in it. So if you go to CVS and you pick up something like with salicylic acid, you'll see it says active ingredient and inactive ingredient. So those are kind of the regulatory things. Above that is, you know, medical devices and things. Those, those need approval. The FDA is actually one of the looser organizations in the world for cosmetics. I actually think they're probably a little too, I can't believe I'm saying this, they're probably regulated a little too loosely. I'm not an over-regulatory guy, but, you know, in Europe and other places, they have far stricter things. Now, California kind of makes up for that with Prop 65, but... Um, yeah, it's relatively easy. Don't hurt people with your products and make something that's decent and you have no problem. Yeah. It's Interesting. And, uh, and I guess with, um, so with supply chain, you kind of had to source your, you know, where you get it from. And, uh, yeah, what? that was, yeah, that was a big consideration. So, you know, there's two main components to sources, the raw materials, and then there's the, the, well, we call them components. Uh, that's, you know, from looking at this, it's the box. It's the bottle, it's the pump, it's the labels, it's it's the heat seal we do on air. So there's all the components, and then separately there's the raw materials. When I was developing this, you know, we wanted to make sure that we used the best ingredients, and they happen to be reasonably readily available. There's one called Apple Stem Cell Extract that I have to import from Switzerland. So, you know, I'm hoping that company stays in business. <laughs> but everything else, there's multiple suppliers, and it's reasonably... Um, easy to get from the components. We tried to use as many off the shelf things because, for instance, our concealer pens, which are coming, these are from Taiwan. We have them printed. They're going to be really nice launching in Q1. You know, if there's international conflicts right now in Taiwan, who knows what can happen? So, you know, with our with our serums, off the shelf, nice label, prints in Oregon, pump. There's a warehouse with 10 million of them, 20 minutes away from. You know, we made it so that. It's the nicest, but you have to be prepared for the supply chain issues because they, they will happen. And not just because the world is having supply chain issues, it just, yeah, yeah things sell out. Yeah. And it's quite in, like very, I'm really fascinated because you have a very entrepreneurial journey. And then um, what's interesting is, uh, you know, most, most of my friends, they, you know, went to Ivy Leagues and they did uh, econ and math. They went into finance or Wall Street. Um, That's a lot of my friends because Penn is Wharton. And so a lot of my friends are Wharton guys. They're, they're all private equity and consulting firms and, and advisory firms right now. I was more of an engineer. I, I started a software company out of college. I was had a tutoring 
because it was a tutoring network more than a company, it was a lot of students I was tutoring that make me some money early, you know, in high school and college. And so, yeah, I always worked for myself. I've never actually been employed. I've been a contractor as a consultant, but I've never actually legally technically been employed. So, you know, it's been, it's been about 10 years of doing, doing my own companies and a few of them have been pretty successful. One, one of my uh, friends, he has a joke. He's, he's in a, he's on, you know, multi and he's, he has his shirt. He says, um, that he wears to conferences. It's a, and he says, I, I am successfully unemployed, which, yes. <laughs> which gets a lot of <laughs> Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's like a, you know, an economics is a backward spending curve. I can't remember what exactly for, I think it was for, if you're earning enough income, then each hour starts, you, you start caring less and less because if you're getting a million dollars an hour, you don't have to work more than an hour a day. So at some point you actually start working less, the more you get paid because you have enough. So, you know, I'm trying to get to that point with Create and Michael. It's, uh, yeah. it's going really well, but right now it's a 24 7, 365 thing. Yeah. Which is funny because, you know, you think it's all about ultimate freedom as an entrepreneur. So you have to balance, you know, that ultimate freedom idea with also being a complete slave to it 24 7. I yeah. like that, but, you know, you yeah. have to be a little crazy for it. Uh, you know, this is one just off the, off the cuff question uh degree in econ in in math um a lot of people are going into um like crypto and blockchain is that you were in your radar i had two businesses in that i had a fund in that years ago and i can't say a lot about it because i i sold it and then signed some ndas but i had a shoe that mined bitcoin yeah so launched a shoe company so it it, it was an interesting experiment to try to launch like a, a, a crypto brand or who were at the time crypto millionaires who were buying every Balenciaga or whatever, you know, easy thing that popped up. They just had money to spend. So decided to make a like crypto shoe company and sold that to my partner. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I like it. I mean, I can go into negative feelings in the space as much as I can my positive feelings. If if anyone's listening, just be careful. There's a lot of there's a lot of scams in the in that space. A lot of them. Yeah, scams, bad actors. Yeah. Also, there's vulnerabilities. You don't want to send Bitcoin to the wrong, like to to an address, and like, oops, you messed up. You put the two instead of a three, and it's gone forever. Like that's yeah. that's a single in engineering. Call that a single point of failure. There's too many single points of failure yeah. with crypto world for it to be practically usable for now. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the listeners got a real flavor of you know the cosmetic or not cosmetics but the um skincare products industry which is quite interesting um how can people visit you follow you contact you oh you know our website is crete.club that's k-r-e-t-e dot c-l-u-b that's you know uh, same thing crete.club on instagram and then i have a founder instagram that we post some organic stuff just to see you know if if we're going to do that for a marketing angle soon but um yeah, Crete.club, either the website or the Instagram, and that's great, yeah. yeah. And for all the listeners out there, um, Jake's resources will be in the links and show notes. Thanks so much for tuning in, and um, you know, be sure to check out his website, his socials. Um, I will do that after as well. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to hearing about your future success. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment 
share, subscribe. We're on everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next time.